This is Cruise Radio. Do yourself a favor and always cruise with travel insurance. You can find a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. All right, we're on. How's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Empress of the Seas this week on a four-night Cuba cruise out of Miami. So Crystal stopping by in a bit to talk about that. We have Simone from Cruising Excursion to answer some of your shore excursion questions. Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com standing by to talk cruise news. Before we get to Sherry, a couple of things. Our Cruise Radio News Facebook group. Come in there and kick around the cruise conversation with us. Also, Cruise Radio News. It's our separate podcast feed. Make sure you subscribe to it and uh, listen to Cruise Radio News Briefs, like 90 seconds, Monday through Friday. Love to have you there. All right. Hey, Sherry. Hi, Doug. So our first story is very polarizing. You're either on one side or the other on it. And the the Bahamas government was paying the cruise lines an incentive to come visit their island, and they've cut the cruise lines off. So how much were they paying them, and what does this mean? Well, what's happened in the past is government of the Bahamas has given $12 million a year as incentive to the cruise lines to include Nassau on their itineraries. But the problem now is that Everybody goes to to Nassau, and too many people are choosing to stay on board, and therefore they're not spending any money in the port, on the island, anywhere in the vicinity. So it's kind of understandable that the Bahamian government has decided they don't want to pay this anymore. And if you think about it, they're really you know the return on their investment doesn't seem to be paying off as it should. As more and more passengers decide to stay on board, it's not going to get any better. But there's a little bit of hope, and currently under discussion, there's a redevelopment program, and it's planning to enhance visitors' experiences by offering what they want, you know, better excursions, more food and beverage options, and, of course, shopping. Do you leave the ship when you go to the Bahamas? I do, but I I get off the ship in every port, you know, I mean, if anything, at least they could fi- finish Festival Place. It's been under construction since, what, 2012, 2013? Oh, at least, yeah. yeah. Um, so I asked on Twitter yesterday, I said uh, the Bahamas government said they'll quit paying the cruise lines $12 million a year to dock in Nassau. Is this a good idea? 56% of the people said, yes, it is a good idea. Um, Nassau needs it. 12% said, no, keep paying the cruise lines and secure their business. And then 32% said, I'm not concerned with it. I stay on the ship in Nassau. That's a big chunk. You know, I always go ashore, too. And we've done some fun tours in Nassau. And, and there's, there is a lot to do aside from, you know, walking off the ship, fighting the crowd through Festival Place to, just to get to the main road. I enjoy going to Nassau, but, you know, I, I've been going there for a long time. <laughs> Remember that rum, the rum tour we did there? That was wonderful. That was and they fun. included a chocolate tour on that. So, yeah, that was rum yeah. and chocolate. Can't go wrong with that. Carnival Cruise Line is raising gratuities. Uh, What are we going to see come December 1st? So beginning December 1st of this year, the onboard gratuity rate for Carnival, like you said, it's going up. So from that day forward, passengers in standard staterooms will be charged $13.99 per person per day, while those in suites will be charged $15.99 per person per day. There is a way around this. So if you're already booked, uh, you can go ahead and quickly pay your your gratuities up front, but you have to do it before December 1st, and that'll save you a dollar and four cents on the in the current rate of 12.95 per person per day. And the old standard rate 
well, until December 1st, is still 1395 per person per day. If you have a suite, you want to hear the breakdown yeah, on go ahead. who gets what out of the... So the breakdown, they said, is that now the housekeeping team, which would be obviously your room attendant and the assistant, they split up $4.35 per cabin. Um, and that's $6.35 if you're in a suite. The dining team, which, of course, is your waiter and assistant waiter, they get $6.89. And then alternate services, which are the people behind the scenes that you really don't see, that's $2.75 divvied up. The last time Carnival raised their gratuities was just a little over two years ago, uh, May of 2016. So, you know, you, you can see where where it's it doesn't sound like a whole lot of money, uh, you know, for the team to be getting, but it does add up for people that are on a budget, so for almost $14 a day per person on a two-week cruise. You know, you have to budget for that. Princess Cruises makes an unexpected change to their main dining. Yeah, this is kind of interesting. And a lot of people seem to be upset, and some are even surprised when they found out that their Princess Cruises dining time was automatically changed, and they had no knowledge of it. Um, I spoke with someone just right before we got on the phone here at Princess, and uh, I was told that uh, close to 90% of the fleet suddenly has new dining times for those who chose traditional dining. Apparently, the Australian cruise, uh, cruises aren't affected, but the new dining times for traditional dining are 4.45 p.m., <laughs> 5 o'clock, and 7.15 and people, of course, are upset because some might even still be in port during their dining time or a sail-away experience. But, of course, uh, the person I spoke with said, well, there's always the anytime dining option. 4.45 is a little early. My 85-year-old grandma doesn't even eat at 4.45. <laughs> That's what I thought of. Is their demographic getting that old? Yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if you, have a, if you have a comment on this, drop me an email and tell me what you think. Doug at cruiseradio.net. We'll read some of them next week. But 4.45 is a little bit too early to have a main dining room time. And what are they going to do in Europe when the dining time is traditionally 8.30 and 9 o'clock? So, you know, that should. I wonder how that's going to shake out because almost all the ships are back by now or heading back shortly. So well, as we'll I say, next year. we'll stay tuned and figure it out. A new tattoo studio is coming to Virgin Voyages. Talk to us about this. Yeah, I had to correct myself. I've always said tattoo parlor. But uh, Virgin Voyages' first ship, the Scarlet Lady, is set to have a tattoo studio on board, and they've named it appropriately Squid Ink. And the studio will have two full-time resident tattoo artists, plus they're going to have celebrity guest tattoo artists on various voyages. And interestingly enough, the ink used on the ship is made by a company, and they call it World Famous Tattoo Ink, and it is vegan-friendly. Um, and something different, crew members are encouraged to get and display their own tattoos. And, you know, if you've ever seen a tattoo on any other crew member on any other cruise line, it would be amazing because they're not allowed to show them. And finally, MSC Cruises is entering the luxury market. This is just I don't want to say bizarre, but this is interesting to me. Go ahead. This is interesting, and it's actually on the heels of Royal Caribbean's announcement that they're the primary stakeholder in Silver Sea. Um, I think we talked about that last week. Um, MSC Cruises has just announced they've signed a memorandum of agreement for construction of four ultra-luxury cruise ships. The first 
will be delivered in the spring of 2023. So it's still almost five years, well, four and a half years out. And the other three will come online once a year for the next three years. And each new ship is going to have only 500 staterooms. So at little and, you know, maybe a little bit less than a thousand passengers if they put some solos in there. Um, it should be interesting. The itineraries have not been announced yet. But rumor has it there will be at least one ultra-luxury ship sailing from North America. Listener question today comes from Parker. You can email your questions to Doug at cruiseradio.net. This is a bit of an odd question, but hope you will get back with me on it. I'm sailing on Symphony of the Seas in March on a seven-day cruise, and I was just wondering if I should bring my own shampoo, body wash, and conditioner, or if the stuff that comes in your stateroom will be enough. Yeah, well, that's an interesting question um, because... I tend to not use the shampoo, conditioner, or body wash that's in the pump bottle mounted on the shower wall, um, and I will bring my own uh, products, but there's nothing wrong with them. With Royal Caribbean, most likely they are Elemis, which, you know, that's their spa on board, and they're pretty good, but, you know, if you don't like the fragrances, sometimes they're like a lemon verbena, which is, I just doesn't sit well with me. Um, that's why I always bring um, my own products. So you might want to do that too. And um, you might want to think about bringing a bar of soap along just in case. Works great for eye makeup. <laughs> yeah. I, every, you know, every cruise I go on, I always – you know what? I just don't like the cruise line. I mean, uh-huh. people could argue with me about this, but I bring my own soap, like in a soap caddy, and mm-hmm. I bring my own shampoo. I don't use conditioner because I'm damn near bald. (laughs) I feel super clean when I use my own stuff, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, and it's the fragrance, too, and just the the residue that some of the other products might leave behind. And you know they're not – none of the cruise lines are using the the top-of-the-line product from whichever – company there there is bottling the shampoo uh, conditioner and body wash been talking with sherry laskin from cruisemaven.com thank you sherry thanks doug we'd love to hear your comments email comments at cruiseradio.net when is your next cruise where are you going and what are you going to do once you get there Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide, like Rome, Vatican City, St. Petersburg, Sydney, and Jamaica, just to name a few. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting cruisingexcursions.com. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime, straight from Cruise Radio. So Crystal and her friend just returned from a four-night sailing on Royal Caribbean's Empress of the Seas out of Miami, and uh, this was a Havana-Cuba sailing, but uh, as we were chatting before the interview, uh, Crystal, Cuba wasn't the reason why you took this cruise. No, actually, it was uh, my friend was celebrating a milestone birthday and uh, she wanted to go on a cruise. So it was me and about 28 of her closest friends. Nice. Now, you sound like me where someone's like, let's go on a cruise. Yeah, just just book me. I'll go with you wherever you want to go. Yep, that's about it. As long (laughs) as it's reasonable and, you know. It's at a time I can go. I'm there. Since this was a Cuba sailing, and we'll get to Empress of the Seas in just a few moments here, but any kind of homework? You mentioned you've been to Cuba before, but I understand there's like passport or there's visa fees or passport fees. What kind of, I guess, paperwork is required for Americans going to Cuba on a cruise line? Yeah, so... 
first you have to be not born in Cuba. Okay. And so most people who are born in Cuba know this, but you have to apply for a separate visa if you were born there. So if you weren't born in Cuba um, and you're a U.S. citizen, then Royal Caribbean actually helps you a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, They send you a copy of the paperwork, but then there's also paperwork when you are checking in that you just have to fill in and then you fill in the paperwork with your passport, your passport ID number, et cetera. And then they charge the $75 visa fee to your onboard account. Okay. So the visa fee is not something that you pay before you go. You're actually paying for the visa uh, visa fee once you're on board? Yes. I'm just curious. uh, Did you notice any kind of like extra taxes for going to Cuba, visa fee aside? No, not at all. You're up in Chicago and you make your way down to Miami and you go to board Empress of the Seas. How was embarkation down there? Really smooth. I got there early. As I've been to Cuba, my mom is Cuban. I have family that lives in Miami, so I stayed with them overnight. They went to work, and I just Ubered over to the port. It was really easy. There wasn't a lot of traffic for a Friday morning in the summer. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry, maybe it was a Thursday morning, but not a lot of traffic. And basically got on the ship without any problem. I met, um, went through security, met some other people from the group. The paperwork took some time, but it wasn't anything extraordinary. We got through, I would say, probably in about 30 minutes. And we weren't, we weren't able to get directly on the ship. They weren't boarding yet. I probably waited in the holding area for 10 minutes. So you would say probably within 45 minutes, you were from curb to ship? Maximum, okay. 45 minutes. You get on board Empress of the Seas. What were your first impressions of the ship? She's an older ship. She's really pretty. I had sailed um, Enchantment of the Seas before. So she's got that central, that centrum right in the middle, and you board right into the centrum. Um, So you've got the glass elevators. um, It's kind of like a circular view. It's really, you know, it's really pretty. It's not very bright. I remember, I think Enchantment was a little bit more gold Mm -hmm. than this. So it was just a really nice, a really nice feeling when you first walk on. And what kind of stateroom did you book for this four-night sailing, and what did you think of it? We booked an ocean view. Um, there aren't a lot of balconies mm-hmm. on Empress because she's so old, just sort of in that pre, you know, balcony era. And it was good. I mean, definitely on the smaller side, again, because of the age of the ship. But for it was just me and actually another woman I had never even met. Um, but we were very comfortable, got along fine, enough room, enough storage for all of our stuff. Bathroom was definitely tiny. The shower had the shower curtain and the mystery soap from the wall. And if you, you know, have even some mobility issues or maybe, you know, are extra large or double extra large, that shower is going to be pretty tight. Mm -hmm. You are braver than I am. So you, you didn't know this woman at all going in and you just straight up just booked. what? Okay. I know my friend. Okay. And I know she has good judgment. Okay. So I trusted it was going to be a good person with me. I'd be afraid of someone snoring or them hearing me snore and <laughs> not getting any sleep. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about the uh, the food on the ship. And we'll start with the main dining room. What time dining did you have? We had um, late dining. So we ate about 8.30. 8.30. And how was the dining room service and the food? You know, it was very good. Our head waiter was fantastic. I wish I could remember his name right now. You know, like I said, there were about, you know, 28 to 30 of us. So we took up three tables um, with two main waiters and two uh, assistant waiters. So I think they had sometimes would get a little bit flustered and had a little bit of difficulty sort of maneuvering and managing everybody. And, 
you know, people wouldn't come at because it was all different people and they wouldn't come at the same time. So I couldn't blame them for sometimes things getting dropped. But mm-hmm. overall, they were extremely friendly. The head waiter, because we were such a large group, he really seemed to be very invested in us, you know, having a memorable experience. He did a couple of extra things for us, like my friends from the Virgin Islands. So one night we had jerk chicken that he had prepared just for our table. Uh, you know, I mentioned that I love the curries that Royal Caribbean makes. And so we would have, you know, a curry for dinner each night. Some were better than others, but at least he made that extra effort to make our, our experience really special. So I think our main dining room experience was really good. Did you do the main dining room every night? We did. I The only specialty dining on Empress is Chops. Mm-hmm. And none of the other people in the party were doing specialty dining. So I didn't either. I mean, if we had said, well, for one night for a birthday celebration, we're all going to eat at Chops, I would have been fine with it. But since we didn't, I just stuck to the main dining room, and it was good. Now, do they call the buffet area the Windjammer on Empress? Yes. And how was that? That's basically the only two places to eat, or, well, three if you count chops. How was the Windjammer? Windjammer um, was okay. I didn't eat at the Windjammer that much. The first day, it was kind of lackluster. Um, I'm not really sure why. Breakfast I usually had in the main dining room, and then I might grab, like, a, a small lunch at the Windjammer, and except for that first day, it was pretty good. I would usually, again, I like the curry. So I would usually grab like a curry. Their lamb curry was fantastic. And they also have these, these macaroons, these chocolate and plain macaroons that are to die for. So <laughs> I had to grab a couple of, grab a couple of those. Yeah. You can't go wrong with those. Uh, do they have like any burger? Re- like, so that, I guess that ship, um, and forgive my ignorance, it doesn't have like a Johnny Rockets on it. No, okay. no, no Johnny Rockets, no like the hot dog place, mm-hmm. you know, the Anthem has, I can't remember what it's called, no, none of that. Okay, interesting. And pizza restaurant or pizzeria? Nope. Wow. It has a Bolero, so in Boleros, which mm-hmm. is sort of their Latin-themed bar, there's a coffee bar where you can get Cuban coffee, which was nice. Okay. Um, but yeah, the food is re- the food choices are really limited. Okay, yeah. So you weren't lying when you said two main dining options and one specialty, and that's all you got. That's it. All right. Very good. Well, in that case, we'll switch to entertainment. And what did you think of the entertainment around the ship during your voyage? Good. Boleros, you know, was always rocking with some Latin music. The parties on the pool deck were good. They really encouraged people to get out and dance, and there was line dance instruction. The I went to let's see in the dining in the in the theater. I went to the see the comedian. He was fantastic. He was hilarious. Definitely the uh, he was an adult comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, there weren't a lot of options for kids. On the sailing, and I can elaborate on that if you want me to, but the adult comedian was hilarious. Um, and then the other thing I did was I caught like the end of the quest because I have never been to the quest. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, let me go see what this is about. And I, as I suspected, not, that's not for me. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of funny, but I'm like, yeah, no. Yeah, it can get a little, sometimes a little raunchy in there, I guess. Yeah, you know, and it wasn't the raunchiness. It's just like, I don't know, the, the silly, I like. Silly is fine, but being silly just for silly's purpose. Yeah, it just wasn't. This wasn't for me. But people that were doing it were having a fantastic, having a fantastic time. I'm like, okay, good, good. How was this ship during sea days? As far as I mean, it's a, it is a smaller ship, so as far as crowds and congestion. Yeah, we didn't have any pure sea days. Mm-hmm. We had one day where we docked into um, where we docked in Havana 
late. So it was an overnight in Havana. And so we didn't get to Havana until I want to say like four or four thirty. Um, so they sort of treated that one like a sea day. You had the main dining room brunch, which they usually only give only do on sea days. And um, the pool was crowded. I mean, it was pretty crowded, but except for the pool area, really, you didn't see a lot of crowds. There was never a wait. Like the even the Windjammer never really had a long line. You could always find seating in the. You could always find seating in the theater. Well, I guess that's not really a seat day thing, but yeah, no, yeah. I didn't think that. I didn't think that it was overcrowded. It flowed well. I'm going to ask you about the casino. A question I've been asking on the show lately is about the smoking situation. Like, so if you were in or around the casino, is smoke really noticeable? No, not at all. And I actually walked through the casino. For some reason, I decided to walk through the casino going from one side of the ship to another. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really noticeable. The track, like the walking track, Mm -hmm. that's, it's really nice because it's shaded. But the downside to it is it's all smoking. If you want to get some fresh air out there and do a little brisk run, you might suck in some smoke. Yeah. Let's talk about Cuba. So you dock in Cuba is the... I've read reviews and I've heard on some other shows that it could be a little bit of a delay or I guess maybe going through the customs, getting off the ship and onto Cuba. Did you experience that? It's slow. Mm -hmm. It's very slow. And I went to, which I encourage everybody that's going to Cuba, especially the first time, go to the Cuba information session. Okay. It's extremely helpful and it helps to set expectations. And Hugo, the cruise director, he probably said about a hundred times, you have to be patient. It's going to be hot. It's going to be slow. Be patient. Bring some water. And Royal Caribbean was really good too about getting, getting water out. And, you know, mm-hmm. even, even when you came back on the ship, you had like little cold towels coming. So that was nice. But yeah, it does take a while. Now, when you say slow, I mean, how long did it take you guys to disembark into Cuba? From the time we decided to leave, because they you you leave sort of like in groups, because the first group to leave are people with excursions mm-hmm. that are booked through Royal Caribbean. So they all meet in one area, um, and they're all escorted out. And then the people who don't have excursions booked through Royal Caribbean for that night, they meet in a separate area, and then they tell you when you can go. So I would say it took probably about an hour from the time we got to wherever our meeting area was until we were fully through customs. Um, And I'm not even talking about exchanging money, but just fully through customs. It was probably an hour. And most of that was in outside in the heat and humidity. Uh, Now, you mentioned shore excursions. So do you have to do some kind of activity if you want to get off the ship? Like you couldn't just get off the ship and walk around. You have to actually book something from someone somewhere. You are supposed to. Yeah. Okay. Because when you fill out your paperwork, it asks you, you know, what, what are your, you know, what's your purpose for visiting Cuba? And there are the seven, you know, the seven criteria, one of which, which most people do is sort of like person to person exchange mm-hmm. and that paperwork, nobody really collects it. What they say is, you know, if, if anyone ever comes to ask, you need to show proof that you were in Cuba for a legitimate reason and that you did, you know, a person-to-person exchange. You have to keep that paperwork for seven years. If nobody, you know, if nobody ever asks, then, and you didn't do an excursion, 
then you're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, what is what are the odds someone's right. actually going to come knocking on my door and ask me, you know, can you show me proof that you did an excursion in Cuba? Right. Uh, you know, sure. I think it's pretty low. I still did a legitimate ex- excursion. As far as currency exchange, so you you mentioned a few moments ago your weight didn't even involve the currency exchange. So did you wait until you yeah. got there to exchange currency? I did. You could only exchange currency in Cuba for Cuban dollars. Oh, okay. See, you can't do that outside of Cuba. I did not even know that. See, people were saying, and I was kind of confused, and maybe you can shed some light on this, something about using converting, getting euros before you go and converting euros to Cuban dollars when you get there, it's a better exchange rate? Or did I misunderstand that? No. Yeah. So euros and actually the Canadian dollars had the highest exchange rate Okay. over between US dollars, euros and Canadian dollars. Canadian dollars was the highest. But I saw another person post that, you know, when you, when you factor in the multiple fees for exchange, if you're going to do it while you're here in the U.S. and exchange dollars to either euros or Canadian dollars, mm-hmm. and then convert from whichever one you choose to Cuban currency, it probably come you probably come out the same, and you you know don't have that extra step. Now, mm-hmm. yes. I had leftover Canadian. I just happened to have leftover Canadian currency. I had over about a hundred Canadian dollars mm-hmm. in my drawer. So it was just by pure luck that I was able to skirt the need to convert once and convert twice. Yeah. Convert a second time. Gotcha. What excursion did you do down there? So I did I did an excursion that I booked basically through Facebook. Someone in I had joined the Empress of the Seas, you know, Travel to Cuba Facebook group mm-hmm. and someone posted about a restaurant called the Ahiaco Cafe. It's an independent independently owned restaurant in a city that's um, about 10 miles outside of Havana. And they do a fantastic excursion where you walk to a local community garden where these, these two brothers run and they basically grow the herbs, fruits, and vegetables that the restaurants in that little town then use for use to serve their patrons. And so, and that was really interesting and really fascinating and just seeing how they, um, how they cultivated this garden and, you know, the ground is not super great for farming, but yet they've been able to be really successful in, it's not even a business really, in just in this shared garden. Um, and then you go to the restaurant and it's almost like a little cooking class. You know, you learn to make a mojito, you learn to make some Cuban food, you drink, you eat, it's all included in one price. And it was fantastic. It was really, I can't say enough good things about the Ahiaco Cafe. It was really, really good. And for that day, it was only me. I was the only one doing that excursion. I was the only one that was on the, uh, in the little garden. Um, and it was great. They told me, you know, sometimes they have groups as high as 40 people. And sometimes it's like me. And I'm the only one. Were there other cruise ships in port with you? There was an MSC ship in port. But it was there when we got there. I saw people with like suitcases that seemed to be getting onto the ship, but the ship was still there when we left. Uh, okay. So I don't know if it was being used as a hotel. I wasn't sure what was going on with it, but there was another ship there. Yeah, I think the MSC, like Armonia, I think is actually, it's based out of Cuba and does like seven night sailings, but I think it stays there for a full day or something like that. 
Um, I remember reading something about them being there. Okay, so how much, when it came down to like um, the currency conversion, what did you pay for this tour you did through the restaurant? So I paid 50 CUCs. So 50 like Cuban convertible, like there's two different currencies and the CUC or the Cuban convertibles, that's what I paid. So when I use Canadian dollars, my Canadian dollars were a little bit more than one-to-one. So I paid about 50 Canadian dollars. Um, if I had converted U.S. dollars, it would have been a little bit more. It would have been maybe like in U.S. dollars, maybe 60 or 65, but okay. well worth it. Even if I had done it, had to convert U.S. dollars, it would have been well worth it. And that included transportation from the cruise pier too? It did not. I had to take a taxi Okay. and the taxi was about 10 CUC. And I, I negotiated that price before I got into the taxi, which is something important in Cuba if you're taking a taxi negotiate that cost before you get in. That's not a bad price. I mean, for under a hundred bucks, you got a, it sounds like a pretty awesome day in Havana. Oh yeah. And I mean, I could have, I mean, I only had two mojitos, but I could have had as many mojitos. And I also got a shot of rum because at the end of the meal, you know, you get a little, a little digestive shot of rum and I got a Cuban cigar and other little gifts. I mean, it was just, it was really good. And the people were so friendly and so, you know, open and talkative and it was a great experience. And I got more than just the food I cooked. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of, there was like salads and desserts and appetizers. There was a ton of food. You mentioned that your your mom was born in Cuba? Yeah, my mom was born in Cuba. So uh, you you mentioned uh, you've been to Cuba before. Was this like on a cruise or was it uh, with the family or? No, we, I went, I came in 1999. Mm -hmm. And so it was funny, my mom, my brother and I, we decided if, you know, it was a whole Y2K thing. We figured if it's going to be Y2K, might as well go to Havana. There's no computers, so we'll be, <laughs> nice. we'll be okay. And so we spent two weeks that Christmas and New Year's in uh, 1999 there. And so I had seen, I mean, my brother and I had walked all up and down Havana. Mm -hmm. There was nothing really left that I really wanted to see. So mm -hmm. I wanted to do something a little bit different. How, how commercialized is Havana not at all. Not at all? Okay, so not it's, at all. it's not like a pop-up port you see at Grand Turk or somewhere where it's fabricated just for cruise passengers? No. no. There's a couple of people out in that main square that are will pose for pic that are there to, you know, in traditional, you know, costume for pictures, mm -hmm. but that's about it. Wow. Very good. So other than Havana and your overnight there, what other port did you hit? We hit um, Nassau. Nassau. And did you do anything in Nassau? I had a friend, another friend of mine who happened to be at Atlantis. Mm -hmm. So I took a cab over to Atlantis and joined her and her husband for lunch. And that was nice for me because I had never been to Atlantis. I was never going to, not one of those people that's going to like pay to hang out in Atlantis for the day. Yeah. So that gave me an opportunity to see it. We had lunch and then I just took a cab back. It's pretty easy. All right. Any tips you have to offer listeners who are considering a, a Cuba cruise? Yeah. So, I mean, Cuba's a beautiful country. You know, the sail in is amazing through the port. You can't go wrong. There were plenty of people there, like independent people who are offering tours. If you're really interested, TripAdvisor has, has names. You can join the Facebook group um, and they can make recommendations about private tour companies that want to do tours. I will say Havana and Cuba is probably one of the safest ports you will ever go to. Mm -hmm. People will, will ask me, like, aren't you worried about going off on your own? You're this, you know, woman traveling in this random cab by yourself. And no, I walked around this little port town before my excursion started. I felt perfectly safe. I even got lost at one point. Um, and I felt perfectly safe walking up to people with my cell phone in my hand. You know, can you show me where this is? 
So that's one thing I would really, you know, I would really emphasize to people is you can feel really safe in Cuba. Obviously, you have to be smart. Everywhere is going to have people that are going to try and, you know, take your money. Um, but it's a beautiful, beautiful country. And um, go, go and see it. With family from Cuba, are you bilingual? Yes, I am. Someone like me who rolls into Havana, would I have an issue only knowing the English language and barely knowing that? You may have trouble negotiating your cab. Mm -hmm. But other than that, no, okay. I don't think so. People know, I mean, there are people, people study English and they know English in Havana. Yeah. Now, I'll, there are some cruises that go to like some of the other, uh, like San Fuegos and some of the other, like they do an actual circumvent, they circumvent the island. I don't know about the other cities, but Havana, I don't think you'll have, tr you'll have trouble. So you make your way back to Port Miami. How was disembarkation? Beautiful, smooth. You know, Miami, you don't have to fill out the form. And uh, it was really fast. Uh, it took, it did take a while clearing customs. Mm -hmm. So from, I, I think they, they say, cause I did self disembarkation and I think you can start lining up around seven thirty, and we were sitting there waiting for quite a while. I want to say it was probably eight o'clock, close to eight o'clock before we were moving, but we moved really slowly. Let me remove really quickly. And I think I was like, walking out of the van at Interna Miami International Airport by like 8.35. Wow, that is, that's super quick. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it was raining, and it's a Monday morning. Yeah, so, okay. Like, the other nice thing that um, Royal Caribbean does is for people who are like really stressed and don't want to go have breakfast somewhere, they actually had a little like coffee and juice and pastry station set up inside, you know, the Royal Theater where you were waiting to disembark. Yeah. If you could tell Royal Caribbean one thing about Empress of the Seas, it could be anything at all. What would you tell them? I would say that I really, you know, I think that this is an ideal size ship for Cuba. The itinerary is great. The crew was fantastic. And yeah, to just keep offering, you know, keep offering this cruise don't don't stop what would you tell someone who would say uh cuba's really not on my radar like what would you say to that person i guess i would ask them why because mm -hmm. it really is such a different place it's not like like i said before it's not like any other cruise port you've ever been to and i don't know if it was on on your show or someone else's show that someone said well alaska was it oh no it was on yours where they said, well, Alaska was never really on my bucket list, but now that I've been, it ab I'm absolutely going to go back. Mm -hmm. Cuba is a lot like that. Crystal, thank you so much for sharing this review. We really appreciate it. Welcome. Have a great day. You're listening to Cruise Radio, part of the iHeartRadio Talk Network. So usually at this point, we hop and end this show, but Simone from CruisingExcursions.com agreed to come answer some listener questions, so we have a few of them to ask her. If you have a med cruise coming up in 2019, you'll want to stick around and listen to these because uh, some good advice here, very solid questions asked today. So without any further ado, hello, Simone. Hello, there, Doug. First one comes from Samantha. Heading to Marseille, any suggestions for Cassis? The photos look fabulous. Yes, Cassis is a very picturesque destination. And yes, you can take marvelous photographs because the views are outstanding. But what I would actually highly recommend, because uh, albeit the views are incredible, and yes, it's a must-do, I would recommend looking for a tour which also takes in Aix-en-Provence. 
So you've got Aix-en-Provence and Cassis, so you can experience as much as possible when you're in port. Um, just the reason for suggesting this is because this is a wonderful town and highly recommended to visit, but this would definitely just be for a half-day tour. Um, so I would look into a longer tour, which also includes the typically French town of Aix-en-Provence, the lavender, the chocolates. It's just basically to maximize your time in port. I love Provence. You know, actually, the, the past mm-hmm. couple of times I've been to Marseille, I've gone to Provence just because the, the markets there are so beautiful and so cool and so much different types of food to experience. And then I'm like, uh, going back my th- for my third time, and I saw Cassis as well, and I'm like, you know what? The photos do look pretty here. I'm going to check it out, and I'm so glad I did. But you're right. I mean, it is definitely a half-day tour. We actually had eight hours in Cassis, and I felt like it was a little too long. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. I just think there's so much more out of Marseille port, mm-hmm. and you can actually get those two destinations in a in a seven hour tour. Yeah. And you can get the it's not a rush tour. You can get the best out of both destinations. Very good. Our next question comes from Chris. Needs some help looking for a pre cruise excursion in Rome that also includes a transfer to the pier. We are staying right in the heart of Rome. Thanks in advance. Okay, Chris, so if you're looking for um, what we call a tour and go, so if you're staying in Rome and you want to tour and then meet your ship, that's not a problem. What we um, basically provide is uh, a full overview of Rome. So you'll get to see all the big sites. So you'll get to see the Colosseum, the Trevi Fountain, uh, Spanish Steps, Piazza Navona, and St. Peter's Square, and then a transfer directly down to the cruise port if you're actually staying in Rome and not transferring on the same day, what I would highly recommend is um, a hop-on, hop-off tour. They are fantastic and get you to every single site in, in actual uh, Rome itself. And you can spend as much or as little time as you wish. But yes, we do actually provide, we call, we call them tag tours, tour and go tours. So we can provide the full day Rome and you'll get the full experience. And then we transfer you down to your cruise ship. Yeah, Simone, this isn't part of Chris's question, but I have a, a side question here. Like, so whenever I went there, I, was it St. Peter's Basilica that was like, has a super long line to get in? Yes, the, the lines are ridiculous, and and especially in the months of June, July, September, they are they could be up to and over a mile long. Mm-hmm. Now we actually provide skip the line tickets to actually include uh, the Vatican Museums, Sistine Chapel, and the Basilica, okay. so it gets you straight in there. I was walking by it and I saw the line of people, and I was mm-hmm. like, wow. This is insane that people are waiting out here in the baking baking sun for this. But I mean, it's a once in a lifetime experience, right? But I mean, if I would have known that Skip the Line was available, would have definitely done that. Absolutely. The Skip the Line tickets available for the Colosseum and uh, the Vatican. Mm-hmm. So it's always recommended to take that Skip the Line because you don't know on the day how long the queues are going to be. Yeah. A lot of people take the chance and like you say, are standing out in the heat. And yeah. it's not great. It's not a great experience. Leanne has the next question. She says, um, suggestions for Venice in 2019. Also, do you happen to know when it isn't as crowded? We went in 2015 and the crowds were overwhelming. Yes, particularly in in St. Mark's Square. It's extremely 
popular all year round. Um, but when visiting Venice, you've got to go to St Mark's Square because mm. that, that's a must. That's what everybody sees on the TV. Uh, if you're if you're porting overnight and you have extra time, what I would highly recommend is a tour which takes you to the three main islands just just off the main Venice island, which is Murano, Burano, and Torcello. Murano is very famous for the glass, so I'm sure everybody is aware of Murano glass. And Burano is famous for the wonderful, colourful buildings, um, brightly coloured buildings, and of course the local lace. And Torcello is the quaintest little Italian island I've ever seen. It's just beautiful with um, a, a very, very small population and a little cathedral right in the centre of the island. So it, it is a wonderful tour. It's called a three-island tour and it's highly recommended. It's just to basically ex- escape the crowds because no matter what time of the year you go to Venice, it's always, it's always busy because it's a very, very popular city. I found that if your cruise ship is overnighting there um, as well, like if you, if you get off during the evening and, you know, maybe grab dinner or along one of the canals or something like that, it isn't as bad. But, yeah, I was there last yeah. last September, and it was crazy how crowded it was. I think it's always, um, if you're looking for somewhere to eat as well, that don't eat in St. Mark's Square because it's very, very expensive. Mm-hmm. The little side streets just off uh, St. Mark's and close to the Rialto Bridge, you can find some great little uh, restaurants there serving fantastic Italian food. Yeah. Cindy asks, we're looking for suggestions in Naples. Last time we were there, we did Pompeii. So something a bit different, perhaps. Yes, if you've already experienced Pompeii, uh, which, as you were aware, this is an incredibly historic site. Um, So the next on the bucket list uh, for me would be the island of Capri and Anna Capri. um, We we offer a guided tour. So to get over to the island of Capri, uh, we'd have to take a, a jet foil. Um, and then a transfer would be waiting and our guide would be with you um, throughout the tour. Um, you'll have a tour of Capri going all around on um, very, very narrow roads, mm-hmm. very narrow roads. And you're twisting and turning, going all the way up to Anna Capri, where you'll have the, um, the, the sky lift, which will take you to the highest point of Anna Capri. So if you're brave enough to do that, I would highly recommend it because the views are amazing, amazing. But in, uh, over on the island, it's famous for celebrities. There's a lot of celebrities who go over there for their designer clothes, their designer shoes. It's famous for leather shops as well. You can actually have your own shoes made, your own handbag made while you wait. It's, it's absolutely incredible. It's, it's very much like the other half lives, very much so, but it, it's a beautiful, beautiful destination. If you were over in um, the Naples area, I'm not really too familiar with this, but are there tours to Mount Vesuvius or is that kind of included in the whole Pompeii experience? Yes, it is. Pompeii is included uh, for the Mount Vesuvius. Gotcha. So we, we've just recently um, introduced a, an amazing tour, which I, I was lucky enough to experience last year. It was um, going to Pompeii for the guided tour for two hours and then heading on down to the foot of Mount Vesuvius, which is... Uh, there's a farmyard winery, so they they make all their own pasta. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they make their own wine, yeah. and you have wine tasting there as well. It's that to me is just heaven. It yeah. was incredible. So even though you've done Pompeii, sometimes because Pompeii is so large, sometimes you haven't seen 
um, a lot of Pompeii, but you think you have, but you really haven't. I've been to Pompeii now probably about 10 times, and each time I go, I see something new and learn something new. So it's great to introduce a, an alternative tour, not just Pompeii, but to also include the, the, the farmhouse at the, at the foot of Mount Vesuvius with the wine tasting as a bonus. Last question comes from David, sailing Norwegian Epic with two nights post-cruise in Barcelona. Any must-sees? Oh, plenty in Barcelona. So if you've never been to Barcelona before, highly recommend um, what, we co- what we would call the Barcelona Highlights. This way you'll get to see the main sites um, like the Sagrada Familiar, which is a very famous church, and other buildings by Gaudi, uh, the famous street of Las Ramblas, the Olympic Stadium, where the Summer Olympics were held in 1992. So it's, it's a half-day tour, but because Barcelona is so compact, you will get to see a lot of Barcelona. And what I would also say, um, after after the tour, I would experience the local food there as well as you can tell Doug I am a foodie uh-huh. <laughs> I do like my food <laughs> so I, I love to try the tapas around the Ramblas and the Gothic Quarter and a couple of cocktails too that's always fun over in Barcelona of course yeah. of course and the local wines as well you have to try them have you ever been to that the bar in Barcelona it's it's called like the the exchange or the stock exchange so it's like the New York stock exchange here in the states where the price of drinks actually fluctuate on how many people are buying them. If no one's buying them, they lower the price. And if people are buying them, they spike them up a little bit. It's all on this digital board there. I haven't, but that, that is now on my to-do list next yeah. time I go, which is in a couple of weeks' time. So I'll be looking out for that bar. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty clever. Uh, we've been talking with Simone from CruisingExcursions.com. Uh, Simone, thank you so much for answering these questions for us. Of course, we'll have the links to these excursions on the website at CruiseRadio.net. Thank you so much, Simone. No problem at all, Doug. Thank you. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Let's see what we've got for you. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.